Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for Acts. Um, we thank You for this story, uh, this transitional book. We know that there's so much to be learned here. There's some people who've never studied this book before. They've never um, maybe read it. Uh, some of them have read it, but maybe misunderstood it. Uh, there's some of us uh, who, who have lots of questions about what is contained within this story. Um, and Lord, we need to be provoked. I mean, at the end of the day, we need to take Your Word and it needs to be made a reality in our lives. And so, God, we just ask that you would use your word to teach us doctrine, but also inspire us to live the lives that you've called us to live. Uh, Lord, we want our lives to look like uh, the urgency and the desperation and the dependency that we see in the, in the lives of the apostles in the early church. Lord, use your word to teach us what it means to surrender. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last we left the disciples... Um, they're hanging out with Jesus. Jesus has resurrected, and He is spending 40 days uh, with the apostles and with the disciples, teaching them, instructing them, preparing them for the work that's to come. And if we look um, at the beginning of the chapter, we look in uh, verse 1, it says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which He was taken up. After that, He through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus is doing miracles, proving his divinity, showing the disciples once again who he is. He's giving them commandments about what it is that they're going to be doing when he leaves. And then he's instructing them about the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about that here momentarily. Now, what is his command? We talked about this last time we were together. What is the command that he's giving them, at least in the short term, in the interim? What is his command for the disciples? What are they supposed to go do? Okay. He tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait. He tells them to go and wait. And we talked about this idea of, of the right place and the right time. Being in the right place at the right time. And here's the thing about being in the right place at the right time. If God is telling us what the right place is, it's no accident that you get there. In other words, if you want to experience the power of God, it's absolutely crucial for us to be obedient to Jesus Christ. So when He tells them, go to Jerusalem, there's something that they're supposed to do. Their free free will has to be engaged. They have to determine in their mind that they're going to obey the Son of God and they're going to go to Jerusalem and do exactly as He says. But the hard time, the difficult thing to do, many times for us, is the waiting part. See, He tells them, go and wait. He doesn't doesn't give them a timeline. He He doesn't actually even tell them that the Spirit is going to come at Pentecost. They're unaware that ten days later that the Spirit is coming. They're told to just go and to wait. And a lot of times we struggle with the waiting game. We struggle with all the questions that you have that you put on God, all the things that you're waiting on the things that you desire, we oftentimes struggle to be patient for what God is doing. And this is what we talked about last time. Now, we don't have time to go back and recap all that. I'm not going to preach that message again. But uh, if you know that that's a message that you need to hear, you need to go back and and listen to the recording and get caught up. Now, today we're going to focus our attention on learning what Christ's priorities are. Okay? And if you you go back to that main screen, uh, now look, we've got to cover uh, quite a bit here. Okay, uh, this message is titled Priorities, Power, Plan, and Parting. 
We've got a lot to cover. Um, but we're going to start by looking at Christ's priorities. What were the things that He emphasized? Now what we need to recognize is that the things that God emphasizes are the things that we need to emphasize. And that so often in Christians' lives today, we acknowledge the things that Christ emphasized, but we fail to emphasize them as well. So we need to learn what Christ's priorities are for us. We're going to discover what His plan was. You know, after all, He was counting on these 11 men to deliver the gospel to the whole world. There better be a plan. If that's going to happen, there better be a plan. That won't just happen by accident, will it? Now with that in mind, we need God's power to do it. And we need to recognize, how is that power going to be implemented? And then we have to look at Christ's departure. And we have to have a proper perspective on Christ's absence. And how it should cultivate a sense of urgency in our hearts. That's a lot to cover. And so I need you to focus. Now, proper priority is, uh, is such a big deal. Having, having the proper priority in your life um, is, a, is a big deal, guys. And so many of us struggle with it. We struggle with setting the right priorities. We struggle with, with getting swallowed up by busyness. Right? Any of you, I mean, a lot of you guys uh, at work, um, maybe this is your busy season. Maybe it is that you're going, you're going back to, to school in a week or two. You're getting ready for that. Uh, whatever it is, you recognize that there are seasons in your life where busyness forces you to negate or neglect the priorities that Christ has given you. We all know that we do that. See, our loss of priorities, they can begin to erode and the things that we value can begin to slip away. Our misprioritization causes us to be neglectful. It's like, uh, I don't know if any of you guys have ever done this, but this happens occasionally in our home. Things get busy. And we'll get, you know, the mail comes in, all right? And you push, like, the bills to the side. And you say, okay, we've got some time to pay that. And then you forget to pay the bill. Has that ever happened? Right, yeah, all of us have done that. Now, here's the problem with that. At the time... It's not a big deal. But did you know that that, that affects your credit? <laughs> you didn't know that? Oh, yeah, some of you guys haven't lived life yet. And you don't know <laughs> that if you don't pay bills, that that gets reported and it impacts your credit. And that has, that's a long-term impact, right? And a lot of times when we misprioritize things, we, think, we don't think much of it until we begin to see the effects of it, right? You know, uh, establishing proper priority at your age is, is hard. And uh, I often have co- uh, folks in Kaya, you know, in the last couple years of being in Kaya, I've had a lot of you guys come to me and say, man, my life is uh, messy. I've got all these things I'm doing with my life, and, and I, I can't figure out what the most important things are. And what I often do, and, and some of you need to do this, I'm telling this to you, and you need to right now write this down, because you need to do this. Uh, what I'll often do is I'll have you write down all of the things that you do, okay? And how many hours a week that that takes. And so you'll make a list. You'll make a list of all the things that you do with your life, whether it's ministry, activities, relationships, uh, whether it's school, whether it's work, and you'll write all those things down and the amount of hours that you give to those things and devote to those things. And that's kind of really, that's the setup, right? That's the setup. Because what I'd make you do next 
is I make you take all those things and then organize them based on their importance in your life. And what happens a lot of time is that the amount of time that you devote to a thing, thing doesn't actually align itself with its priority. You say that, that, that Christ is important and your relationship with Christ is important, but you only spend an hour or two a week in His Word. Right? And that becomes really obvious when you recognize that you spend about seven hours at the coffee shop every week hanging out with your friends. Or maybe, or maybe it is that, that, that your primary focus and your desire is to disciple people, but you recognize that you're, you're, you're maybe only spending an hour doing that a week, but yet you're spending, I don't know, 15 hours doing service ministry. You understand? And when we begin to consider our priorities, suddenly we get exposed. Now Christ is about to expose His disciples. It doesn't feel good to get exposed. It's, sometimes it's shameful. So here's the problem. The problem is that our priorities often come in conflict with God's will for our life. Today we're going to see the priorities of the disciples come in direct conflict with what Christ is in store for them. And they don't even know it. They're completely unaware. And we will watch Christ reset their priorities in order to prepare them for His plan for their lives. So Christ gives them in this instruction. They're hanging out for 40 days, right? He's teaching them. He's preparing them. He tells them, look, you're going to go. You're going to wait. I'm going to send my comforter. I'm going to send the Spirit. All right, that's what they know. Now, remember, it's super important for us to, to get this. We talked about this the first week. That, God is, that Christ is teaching them about the kingdom of God. What is the, what's the kingdom of God? It's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a physical place. So when we're talking about the spiritual kingdom, we need to talk about it the way Christ does. When Christ is talking about the kingdom of God, what is it He's talking about? He's talking about His presence with us. The kingdom of God is our salva- salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's, let's be very careful to define this because this is going to become very important. What is the kingdom of God? As a New Testament topic, it is clear that in, that in terms of doctrine, all right, and the description, is that the, the kingdom of God is the state of God dwelling with man. That's the definition. The state of God dwelling with man. It's Christ's presence with and within human beings. Let's look at a couple of verses to support this. Luke 17, 20. And when he, was, uh, when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It's not something you can see with your physical eyes. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Within you. Jesus further defines the kingdom of God in John 3, 5. By saying, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In other words, he draws a correlation here. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, being filled by the Holy Spirit, salvation is equal to the kingdom of God. Does this make sense? We have to get that. that that's crucial to understanding your Bible and to understanding what's happening here in Acts, so this is what he's been teaching them. This is what he's been teaching the disciples, is bringing an emphasis on the kingdom of God and the salvation of souls 
and drawing men into the kingdom of God. See, what he needs them to understand is the power of God living in men is the game changer. It is the game changer. It's what spins everything in God's economy on its head. Everything that had been before in terms of a Jewish program and even the Gospels, Christ living with them and teaching them, is beginning to change at this very moment that the Holy Spirit comes and enters into their lives. And He's trying to place emphasis on that. He needs them to get that because the, there's, it's understanding the Holy Spirit and the Kingdom of God is the key to unlocking His plan for their lives and their ministry. Does that make sense? They have to get it. But yet, just like us, their priorities were off. Verse 6. After hearing about going and waiting and, and, and hearing all this teaching, they turned to Christ and, and when they therefore were come together, they asked of Him, saying, Lord, wilt Thou at this time restore again the kingdom of, of Israel? What is it they're asking here? What is it they're, they're saying? They're basically saying this. Thanks, Jesus, for teaching us. You know, that was, that was great. All that stuff about the kingdom of God, that was, that was great. Um, so when are we going to get to go home? Because we've heard really great things about, about the kingdom. And it sounds really nice. And we're just curious, when is it? Uh, uh, is that, we're doing that now? Okay. So, uh, Jesus has to probably hold his tongue a little bit here. I mean, I would be fed up. As a high school art teacher, there's something, here's the thing about teaching in a high school. You have to repeat yourself 4,000 times before people get anything. You say the same thing over and over and over again. You know how many times you have to tell a student when a due date is? Every single day. The, the very first thing, the, I, I only talk for like five minutes at the beginning of every one of my art classes, right? Five, ten minutes. There might be an occasional lecture, right? If I'm feeling verbose. But, it, but really all I'm doing at the beginning of every class period is, okay guys, don't forget the due date. All right, let's get to work. That's, that's like it. It's way easier than your job. Hannah is an English teacher, and she has to talk like in front of pe- people like all, the whole class period. Right? That's way harder. All I say is, this is the due date, guys. Get to work. That's, it's beautiful. Um, so, it's like they weren't even hearing him. They want the kingdom of heaven. Now, now listen. They were obsessed with it. Can you blame them? Can you blame them that all they, wanted to do, all they want to do is go into the physical kingdom of God? They want to go to heaven. They want to be in the presence of God. They, they, want, they want a good thing, don't they? It's not like they wanted their own kingdom. You know, a lot of people are out to create their own kingdom, aren't they? Right? They want to establish their own kingdom and their own reality that's self-serving. That's what many people are doing. It's not like they're doing that. They want a good thing. 
but they didn't hear Christ. They didn't understand what Christ was saying. They didn't understand that He was emphasizing a spiritual kingdom. They didn't understand. See, what they thought is that the kingdom of heaven was imminent when the kingdom of God was imminent. Right? They thought, they thought that what was better for them was the physical presence of Christ. And they were wrong. See, here's the deal. The stakes were being raised. The stakes were being raised. And what he was telling them is, you don't get to be children anymore. You don't get to follow me around. You've got to go out and you've got to be used. You've got to go out. You've got to work to do. You've got something that I'm calling you to and I'm raising the bar. And in so doing, he exposed them. They didn't know how to receive it. You know, sometimes godly expectations have a way of exposing our wrong priorities, our weaknesses, our fears, and our anxiety. Instead of growing in excitement for what God has for us, instead of us growing in faith, we often begin asking empty questions that unintentionally challenge the plan of God. Here's our key point. Our personal obsessions have the ability to to derail Christ's work in our lives. And that comes in, in, in good things. That comes in us desiring good things. A lot of times, it's the good things that have the ability to derail us the most. You know, there are some people that are derailed by addiction. And they're derailed by their just general lostness, their darkness. You know, for the Christian, for people just like you in this room who say, yes, I'm saved, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. For you, the thing that's going to derail you from the plan and the mission and the priority of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming into this world, the things that are going to distract you from the kingdom of God mission are going to be a lot of good things. Good jobs, good friendships, good activities, good activities that you're involved in. Activities at school, activities in life, they're going to derail you. And you know what? A lot of, these to- a lot of the times, there's, like, listen to me, there's a lot of you in this ministry right now. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very pointed, okay, so be ready. There's a lot of you in this ministry right now who have hit a threshold in terms of your ability to follow Christ in faith. Because what happened was, at some point, you recognized that Christ had raised the bar. And in rather, rather than being excited about that and, 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 and responding in faith, what you did is you got anxious. You got fearful. You were afraid of what it meant, what it would cost you. And you've been suspended in your faith ever since. And some of you, you've been in that trap for a week. And some of you, you've been trapped in that place for months. And you've met your threshold in terms of your faith because Christ has raised the bar and you're unwilling to meet Him where He's at. And in so doing, you're derailing Christ's work in your life. Anything that distracts from the things that Christ prioritizes is spiritual thievery. I don't care if you call it good or not. I don't, I don't care what you call it. You could call it 
you can, you know what? A lot of times we take the things, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, we take the things that we know God isn't in and we say God is in it. And it keeps us from having to commit to that bar being raised. But I'm telling you, it's spiritual thievery. Anything that distracts from the things that Christ prioritizes has the potential to deny us the power that has been promised. So what about Christ's priorities? What is it that He's prioritizing? Okay, let's look at what He says. Look at His response and how He resets their priorities. Listen to what He says. Verse 7, And He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power. Listen to what He says. It's not for you. That's His response. It's not for you. Those things that you're focusing on, they're not for you. Those things that you're prioritizing, they're not for you. Those things aren't for you. How many of you have gone to God in vulnerability and called out to Him with these things that you've got? And you've asked Him, hey, God, help me. I I don't know what to prioritize. How How many times have you done that only to find out that He's telling you those things aren't for you? The question is, is that okay for you? Is that okay in your soul and your spirit when Christ tells you it's not for you? Is it okay for God to change your plans? Is that okay? Some of you, honestly, you're lying if you say yes. You're lying if you say yes. You know and you've been hearing God telling you that's not for you and you've chosen to do it anyway. You've chosen to prioritize that thing. Is it okay for God to demand something different than what you imagined? Is it well with your soul, brother, sister? If we were honest, many of us would have to say no, it's not okay. And I can't tell you all, there's a, there's a long list of problems with that way of thinking. But really at the end of the day, you're just denying God's opportunity to use you. So many of us don't know it, but our questioning and our impatience and our false priorities are simply a distraction from God's plan for our lives. Let's look at verse 7 and 8. Let's read them together. But he said unto them, it's not for you. In other words, the kingdom of heaven, that's not for you now. Okay? Listen to what he says. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His power. In other words, He takes that, those, those things and He puts them on God. That's for God to determine. That's for God to figure out. But listen, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He immediately turns their attention back to the kingdom of God and the power that He's extending to them. Does that make sense? He's he's forcing them to pivot to the power that He's giving them. In other words, that power and that strength, uh, the business about the kingdom of heaven, that's God's. Let's be concerned about the things that you're supposed to be concerned with. That's the power that's coming to you. The thing that you're supposed to steward. Here's our key point. Christ prioritizes. Listen, this is what He's prioritizing for you. He is prioritizing the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who live the mission. Okay? That's what the kingdom of God is about. 
That's what he's calling them to. Christ's priorities. Christ's priorities is the, is the power of the Spirit lived out in the lives of those who live in the mission, who are devoted to doing the thing that He's given us to do. That's His priority. That's what He's emphasizing. And the question is, are you emphasizing the things that Christ is emphasizing? The Spirit in your life, listening to it, obeying it, following His command to live the Great Commission. Listen to what he says in John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. I've got to go. I'm going. You need to understand that that's important for you. For if I go not away, then the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Reprioritization. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, uh, he shall hear that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Sometimes it's hard for us to consider all the things that God wants for us. We struggle to believe that what He has for us is better than our own personal plans. We can, it's hard for us to believe that what He has for us are better than the great plans that you've been spending your whole life developing. Good for you. I know you're really smart. I know you're really smart. I know that when you were eight, you decided that you were going to do this thing or that. Good for you. I know that you had your whole life planned out before you hit 12th grade. Good for you. I'm really, I'm really proud of that. Good job. Could Christ have something better? Here's the questions that we need to ask ourselves. What is the thing that keeps you from obsessing about the mission? I mean, we talked about obsession. We obsess about lots of things. I mean, some of y'all spent last night obsessing about, I don't know, what is, what is the coolest Netflix program right now? I don't know. What just dropped? Luke, yeah, some of you said The Office? <laughs> I mean, I think The Office has been on Netflix since Netflix came out. So... But we obsess about all kinds of stuff. But the question is, do you ever ask yourself, what is the thing that's keeping you from obsessing about the mission? I want to obsess about the mission. I want to know nothing else but the mission. I want to be passionate about, about nothing else but God's calling on my life. It's the only thing I want to be passionate about. Here's another question you need to ask yourself. What good things keep you from focusing on the right thing? filling our lives with good things. We're so stupid. Aren't we? Good things over right things. What physical goals are hindering you from seeing with spiritual eyes? What physical goals do you have for your life that are keeping you, that are blinding you 
so that you cannot see the world with spiritual eyes. You can't, re- listen, you can't receive the plan of God for your life until you see with spiritual eyes. You don't even know how to receive it. When Christ tells us it's not for you, that should be a relief for you. Shouldn't it? Not a burden. It should be a relief that things that God has power over are going to be handled by Him. He's going to do a better job with that. With your job stuff, your school stuff, your family stuff, your time stuff, your discipleship stuff. He's going to do a better job than you. Mainly because you're stupid. (laughs) Mainly because you are fleshy. And you want to consume things upon your flesh. See, the disciples, they brought their anxious question before God, didn't they? And I don't want you to be afraid to bring your anxious questions before God. Don't be afraid to bring your fears and your doubts and your questions before God. Don't be afraid to do that. But we have to be okay when he tells us his priorities are better than ours. When he tells you that his priorities are better than yours, then you let go. Key point number three, Christ's ways are always better than our wants. The Schaefer's have to go get cheeseburgers. (laughs) They bailed on me. Does that make sense? Christ's ways are always better than our wants. Let's look at his plan. Let's look at his plan. Why is it? Why is it that the kingdom of God is so important? What is all this about? The plan gets unveiled in verse 8. After three and a half years, 40 plus days of preparation, Christ leaves them with his final plan. It's called the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. It's, our, it's really our, our everything is, our, is the Great Commission. That's the thing that we obsess about. But listen, he first reminds them of this crucial point. They need power. Amen. Key point. The Great Commission begins with the need for God's power. We need Christ's Spirit to do it. We need Him to do it. If we got right into the business of work, we'd be in trouble. This is what the going and the waiting is about. It's about the empowerment. We need to be empowered before we can do anything. And listen to me. When those men get empowered, they become different. They become different. Everything changes when they get the power. We need the power. Why? Because in our flesh dwells no good thing. Nothing can be more frustrating than doing spiritual work in the power of our flesh. It's the most frustrating thing is trying to live a godly life just because you want to. It's impossible. I failed this week. I failed yesterday. I failed today. I'm going to fail. I need Christ's power in my life. Even our best intentions always eventually end in failure. Peter discovered this most clearly when he denied Christ. He had the best intentions, didn't he? 
Peter had the better, better intentions than any of the disciples. And just as Pastor Sam said this morning, he heard, get behind me, Satan, with his good intentions. With the things that he was prioritizing. The things that he was putting first. He got to hear uh, Satan bounce. That's where our priorities get us. Nothing can be better than the power of God's Spirit living in us. Matthew 28, verse 18. This is another place where the Great Commission is given to us. Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now listen to this logic for a second. All right, wait for a second. Listen to this logic. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Do we acknowledge that Jesus Christ has all power? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, listen, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. How is he with us? How is Christ with us? How? How is he with us? The Holy Spirit. It's the power to do and live the mission. Christ extends to us His power through the indwelling of His Holy Spirit. And listen to me. We need His Spirit in our lives to do the work, to live the plan. In fact, it can be easily argued that the only reason that the the Holy Spirit lives in us, because you know, there's lots of godly people in Scripture who never had the Spirit living inside of them. Right? Right? It could be easily argued that the only reason that Jesus Christ extended His Spirit to us to indwell us was to do this work, this job. He put His Spirit inside every believer that we could do the work. And so we can't move forward until He's living inside of us and we're relying on His Spirit. And He is the one that's provoking us and prodding us and calling us and moving us. We need His Spirit. Now listen, here's the plan. Here's the plan. Listen to what He says. Ye shall be witnesses unto Me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is our vocation, folks. Oh, you thought you were going to school to be an accountant. You thought you were a teacher. You thought, you thought that you were, I don't know, fill in the blank. That's what you thought you were. You thought you were that. No. No. See, we've been identified by this plan. This, this work right here, this is our job. Our job is to live the Great Commission. There's n- Listen to me. I want to preach this message every time I step into the pulpit. We have a responsibility. We don't get to do what we want to do. There's a plan that's been set in place for us. Something that He's calling us to do, and that's to be a witness. That's to teach to preach the gospel, to call people to the repentance of their very soul, that they might be remitted of the sins that they've committed. That's our job. That's what we do. 
Now it says here, it says, in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, that's quite literally your hometown. He says, you need to preach the message in Jerusalem. You need to preach it in your hometown to those in your community, your friends, your family, and your acquaintances. Your immediate sphere of influence. Now, for some of you, that's the hardest group to preach to. And that could be for a lot of different reasons. But your reasons don't matter. You're called to preach the gospel to them. Uh, maybe you've messed up in the past and you've tainted your testimony and it makes it really difficult to preach the gospel to your friends. Maybe the people in your sphere of influence, they reject you. Maybe the people in your immediate community, uh, you know, you don't have a voice with them. Maybe you're discouraged by those types of people. No, 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 listen. That's where you start. That's where you start. You're called to start there. Judea. That's, that's the province or the region surrounding Jerusalem. These are those who are around you within the realm of influence. People that are on the, on the periphery of your relationships. People you come in contact with but you don't know very well. You're supposed to go to them and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're supposed to do that. If you don't, you're failing to obey Jesus Christ. How are you reaching your Judea? Samaria. For others, this is the hardest group. The neighboring region. You know, for the Jews, Samaria represented the people that they hated the most. They were Gentile people. They were a mixed breed, a mixed race, part Jew, part Gentile. And they disgusted the Jewish people. A very racist people, mind you, the Israelites. And they hated the Samaritans. And yet Jesus Christ says, go to them. Go to them. These are the people that are different than you. You know, Samaria, Samaria is the reason, the reason that we have FOI. The reason that we have Friends of Internationals is that we would be empowered to go to people that are different than us. And you know what, for many of you guys, you're learning in FOI how to go to the uttermost. It's preparing you for the uttermost. FOI has quite literally prepared you to be able to speak to and to, to represent Christ to any type of person that you ever come in contact with. Praise God for FOI. More of us need to be involved with that type of ministry. And the, the uttermost represents anybody who has not heard the gospel. Go to them. Go to them. This is the mission. Listen to me. The key point is this. The Christian has one job. One job. And that's to facilitate the salvation of every living soul. That's light work, isn't it? You know, there was a missionary pastor named Oswald, I think, who famously said that if one generation of Christians, like our own, chose to live the Great Commission, then the entire world would likely be saved in one generation. But the problem is that we don't. The, the problem is that we're not living it. We're not speaking it. We're not empowered by the Spirit. We're weak. 
our priorities are off. You know, mission focus is coming up. It'll be here before we know it. You know, we've got certainty conference, and then soon after that, you know, before we know it, it'll be January, and mission focus will be here. And I, and I feel like it's appropriate right now to say this. Some of you need to start asking yourselves questions about the Great Commission that you've never asked before. Some of you need to start asking questions of what God would have you to do in a way that God has never done that in your life. You've never given him the opportunity to do. And you know that the bar is being raised. And he's calling you to something more. And it's time that some of you guys start thinking about that. Some of you guys need to start thinking about going in a way that you've never considered before. I'll just leave that there. I'll, I'll let you think through that. But you, some of us need to start asking, seriously, God, how is it that I best reach my Jerusalem, my Judea, my Samaria, and the uttermost? Who have you made me to be? How do I fit in this plan? But listen to me. There's a lot of you in this room. You can't, you can't ask those questions. You can't ask those questions. You can't even engage the plan at any level. And the reason is because your priorities are so jacked that God can't use you. You've, you've derailed him completely in your life. And so we're going to end, we'll focus on the parting next week. But we're going to end right here. And I think what we need to end with is you guys, with me, taking time right now to reconsider the things that we prioritize. And let Jesus Christ work out and purge out the things and pivot us back towards the kingdom of God. You know, he's got a program. There's a program here, folks. There's a template. There's a template here for us. And we can either be conformed to that or we can deny him that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And there's so many people in this room who genuinely love you, just like the disciples. They love you, but they're not willing to serve you. They're not willing to consider what it is that you're asking them. They're so, so wrapped up in their idolatry of self-expectation and priority that they could, never, they could never submit to what you're asking of them. Your plan and your agenda and your mission can't be first because they've crowded you out. God, this morning, would you help us to purge out anything in our life that isn't worth prioritizing? Would you help us to reconsider the things that we've emphasized? God, we want to live for you. Lord, we would love to see you work in the lives of, of the entire world. We want to see your salvation come to every person. Lord, we want to live the Great Commission. We want to be the Great Commission. We want to identify ourselves as, as witnesses unto you. Show us how to do that. Be a reality in our lives. Call us to something greater. What you have for us is so much greater than what we want. Help us, God. In your son's name, amen.